Hi there, I'm Ridley, and this is the Goddess Nurture Podcast, where we discuss real shit affecting real women. And today, we need to talk about stay-at-home mom depression. Welcome, first of all, if this is your first time joining us, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um... I speak to and have worked with a lot of at-home mamas. And I guess I've even been one myself. It's weird because I was was building a business, so I didn't necessarily see myself as an at-home mom. But that's exactly what I was. And I went through this exact type of depression, um, through the waves of emotion. And the interesting thing is, on my end anyway, because my daughter was older... By the time I was building my business and was at home a lot of the time, so it really didn't have much to do with her necessarily as it had to do with the breaking down of my sense of self, feeling like um, I had lost a part of me that was so, so hard to get back, which was my sense of independence. Listen, if you found yourself here because you're feeling trapped, stuck, sad all the time, anxious, I just want to make it very clear that you are not ungrateful or selfish for being depressed. Being a full-time mother is hard. It involves a lot of physical and emotional labor that people don't tend to think about. Labor for which you neither get paid, right? (laughs) Um, Nor thanked or even recognized half the time. And not only that, but it's also kind of like solitary labor. As a grown-up, as an adult, your mind has already gone through the evolutionary process. You've been through your baby stages, your toddler stages, your youth, your adolescence, all that. You are formed. Still somewhat malleable, but your brain is developed, okay? So to constantly be every day alone or with kids, of course, it's honestly, the way I see it, it's not healthy. You need certain levels of um, engagement. To be kept on your toes, you need conversation with grown-ups. You need to be challenged. Interestingly enough, you know, being an at-home mom is still viewed as like this lofty privilege by society, right? 
which makes it even more difficult for women to speak up about its negative effects due to the shame that comes with that, the guilt that comes with that, fear of judgment, not being taken seriously. However, study act, studies actually show that um, working mothers feel better enjoy better mental health, emotional health, and well-being than stay-at-home moms. Even if they're choosing to work minimal hours part-time. And I use that word with intention, choosing, because the truth is we need choice (laughs) to feel human for one but also you know to be able to tell our 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 differences right from being a child in the first place like just think about it what's the difference between an adult and a child at the core it's like you know choices, the ability to make them. The ability to reason and come to certain decisions on your own. Children don't have this, therefore, you know, laws are put in place that they must be cared for up into a certain age, that you can't drink up into a certain age, etc., etc. Choice not having your every move dictated by an external force, such as a parent, a government, right? Choice. And being responsible enough to use that power of choice wisely, healthfully. Every adult, I have not met one who does not need some sense of autonomy. Women need autonomy. We need choice in what we do with our bodies and how we spend our time, with whom we spend our time. We need the ability to earn, like real money, right? Or earn whatever, but I'm talking about like, Typically, we're speaking on money when we're talking about working. Now, I know some people don't work for money. That's fine. But we need to be able to feel capable, strong in that ability to engage in that energetic exchange of money making or, you know, give and take. You were created with a set of skills gifts, values, a unique perspective. And it's meant to uplift us, uplift society in some way. It can be small, it can be huge and greatly impactful, doesn't matter. The point is being of value and feeling that you are valued for more than childbirthing and rearing is critical to most women's self-esteem. 
And another fact is that a lot of women don't even choose this path to begin with, which only increases the likelihood of depression. Not every woman chooses to be a mother to begin with, you know, sometimes. And these are are things that we don't like to talk about, right? Because I'm I'm actually, let me take that back. I'm sure a lot of people would love to talk about these things, but, you know, there's a fear. You can go on Quora and look up any of these topics where people are just posting anonymously, right? Like Reddit too. And you can see how many responses come up for like, I hate being a stay-at-home mom. I hate being a wife. I hate being a nurse, whatever. All these things that on a societal level, this is deemed with such esteem and these high expectations. Just like, how dare you feel that way? (laughs) You better, I don't know, figure it out, go to therapy, go do this, that, and the third, so that you don't damage the other people around you by feeling this way, right? Like, that's always the go-to. Well, you know, your kids, they soak up all that energy, or you know, your spouse can feel, you know, this way when you're not feeling good about yourself, or it's always going back to someone else, right? And this is the whole point. We're trying to bring it back to you. This is the whole reason we're here. It's because of the loss of self and the loss of personal identity. The constant self-betrayal and exploitation for the benefit of other people, right? So I'm not here to shame you whatsoever. I get it. I felt all of these things as well. going back to that point of not everybody chooses this not everybody chooses to be a mother right as in sometimes you know mistakes happen people slip up let's just be real okay (laughs) not everybody um not everyone feels naturally nurturing contrary to popular belief about women right not everyone feels equipped with that and that doesn't even always change if we're being honest Most I know would tell you, hey, it'll get better as your kids get older, after you have the baby, after you're through the postpartum depression, whatever, it's going to get better. You grow out of this. And I think to an extent you grow, but out of it completely, not always. Everything I'm talking to you about here is either things that I've already experienced or I've talked to other women about their experiences with. So, you know, it's coming from a real and a genuine place. Some women choose to stay at home or they actually don't choose, right? Because we're talking about lack of choice. So some women have to stay at home because they can't afford childcare. They don't have other resources. Or others are in relationships with more, quote unquote, traditional. This can be arranged from traditional to controlling spouses that want their wives home with the kids and making sure that there's a hot meal on the table when they get home. That still does exist. 
some women are victims of abuse, including coercive control, in which case they have been manipulated and brainwashed over an extensive period of time into believing that they'd instantly become the worst person on planet Earth if they were to go back to work, when really their partner is just trying to maintain control over them by cutting off their ability to be independent in any capacity. And the more they're feeding them this narrative and manipulating them, they lose their connection entirely with that old version of themselves that was independent and that was capable of making choices that they felt confident in. The way they see themselves completely evolves over time. And what was once an independent, fiery, fun-loving, smart, whatever woman is now just like a hostage, a captive, uh, a child, honestly, is how many women begin to feel after having that independence ripped from them because that is really what is, that, that's the difference, right? Between a child and a grown-up is that independence and that choice. Children are not independent because they are not capable of making those choices because they had not reached that point of development. Well, in this type of situation of abuse, for example, a person begins to, to unravel. It's kind of like rewinding <laughs> that development that was once there. So in a way, you feel dependent as though you are, again, a child. And many stay-at-home moms are in mentally, emotionally, and financially abusive. I know that that can be a challenging word, (laughs) abusive relationships. But whether you want to label it toxic, unhealthy, unfair, if you are being constantly um, manipulated targeted, controlled, forced, whether physically or otherwise, this is abuse. And then we have those stay-at-home moms who are there because they have to be for health reasons, their own or the health of their children's. So these are just some examples to kind of get some clarity and a little extra validation to not only the at-home mamas, but also the ones who are not. Sometimes we need a little perspective, you know, in order to be able to show more compassion, relate to another person's story, perhaps. And like strip that shame and that blame and guilt and all that other crap away because it's so not useful. We're about to get into these 10 tips here and I'm hoping that this episode won't be ridiculously long. But (laughs) if you are here, it's because you are drawn to this and you need to be. So 
one more thing that I'll say here before we start getting into the tips is I've been researching and I haven't really been able to find a lot of good stats on stay-at-home moms and mental health or intimate partner violence. And I'd be very interested to know how many at-home mothers are genuinely happy in their roles. Because, for example, as I begin to type in, I hate being a, into Google. Sometimes I do certain things like this. Like, I want to get into people's brains and and see the things that we're not talking about, right? <laughs> this is what we do here. So, when typing, I hate being a, into Google, what pops up? Out of the maybe like seven suggestions that they give me, three to four of those top suggestions, four of them, has to do with parenthood. Three of them has to do with motherhood specifically. So the first being, I hate being a mom. The next, I hate being a parent. (laughs) The next, I hate being a stay-at-home mom. And then said, I hate being a mother. Wow. We don't talk about this. <laughs> um, you know, one reason that I even started this podcast is just like I was so tired of seeing all the perfection on online, on social media, specifically on Instagram, Facebook, like, oh my God, exhausting. And then on days like today or yesterday, I'm going to bed before I go to bed, I'm reading about a young woman, freshman in college cheerleader, beautiful, intelligent, who's speaking on her struggle with depression, how she's been feeling dead on the inside for so long. And while she understands that, this is in her suicide note, I'm sorry, don't want to use the word, that could be triggering to some people, but she keeps mentioning it over and over again in this note. Um, but she says that, you know, it's no longer enough to think about the people that she would be hurting and impacting with this decision. She's making it consciously saying that she's had enough and she's opting out basically. And she just hopes and prays that anyone, um, that she loves can heal and, and, and and come to terms with the fact that it's not their fault and she's just tired I'm summing up this this letter I believe her name was Arlana please excuse me if I got the name wrong if I did I will correct it in the description Um, but like, you know, big contrast between something like this and then all the other perfection, which is like literally 90% of social media. And I was just over it, which is why I started this podcast, because I wanted to have real talks about things that are impacting our women on deep levels, tell real stories. And get real help. So, as I said, this role as a stay-at-home mom can be very overwhelming. You are not selfish, which is what I hear a lot. 
or ungrateful, another one that I hear a lot, for feeling trapped, imprisoned by this role, which roles tend to do is imprison you anyway in a limited scope of of who you are, how you're supposed to operate, how you're supposed to think, how you're supposed to feel. This role feels inherently imprisoning physically and mentally, even when you are with the best of partners, even when you have have like, you know, the most well-behaved kids. It's difficult for even the most confident, smart, and strong-willed woman to hold on to her sense of self or personal identity in this situation. And when we're speaking about sense of self and personal identity, a lot of that is, is ego, which I do realize. I also realize, though, that it takes a healthy ego in order to fulfill one's purpose. But let's take it past the ego and go into the spiritual sense. The soul, your, your level of consciousness, right? The person that can witness the ego. The, not the person, but the entity, the what's inside of you that does not have anything to do with ego, that does not fade, okay? At a much deeper level, we are speaking about the weight that is pra- placed on the soul of a woman, the spirit and the essence of the feminine, These are things that we are not talking about, <laughs> but it's very evident and clear about the amount of damage that being a constant caterer to others. That's another thing that that young lady had expressed in that letter was, and she was only 21 or 22. If that, I don't even, hold on, she was a freshman in college. So younger, <laughs> excuse me, it's been a minute since I started college younger than that and already saying how her whole life had been about making sure other people were okay and doing what other people wanted her to do and that's why she couldn't she couldn't allow that to excuse her how other people would feel about it right from what she felt like she needed to do The weight that we take on as women and then we hold ourselves to these unrealistic, unhealthy levels, these expectations from such a young age. Mm. Why would you not be depressed in this? (laughs) You know? You're actively denying and stifling yourself, a significant part of yourself every day. And I'm not saying that being a mother is not a blessing, but we're not here to have that. We're not here to do that. Like, yeah, yeah, well, I'm depressed, but, you know, I love my kids. Yeah, yeah, I feel this way, but I know that I'm blessed. You are blessed. That's a given. You are blessed. You are here. You can create life. These are a huge blessing. But let's just acknowledge for a moment that it's hard making that transition. 
and you're allowed to feel exactly what you feel without having to add an inspirational quote to the end of it. It's hard going from career woman or independent woman to full-time mom. It's hard going from someone who has never even had the opportunity to be that independent woman or focus only on that connection with self, building and nurturing a relationship with yourself because perhaps you were a teen mom or a really young mother or you just came from a, a more controlling strict background whatever the case it's hard to do that and to transition into making your life now be about making sure other people are okay right now you exist just to make sure that others can exist and do so relatively comfortably We're 25 minutes in and we haven't started this, so let's go ahead and get to it, okay? I'm going to try to get through these tips relatively quickly. I just had to, I had to validate your experience. It's real. It's deep. It can be difficult. So with that, let's get into these 10 things you can do if you're struggling with at-home mom depression. Go ahead and grab a pen and paper if you don't have one, Okay. Because I don't want you to just sit here and, and listen to me and let these words go through one ear and out the other. No. <laughs> I want you to actually let this resonate with your spirit. Okay? Whatever one sticks out to you, put a star beside it. And when you're ready, actually start moving through this list. Take it easy. One step at a time, starting with what you feel mostly resonates with your situation. Everything here is not going to resonate for everybody. You deserve to feel like your life is about you. All right. So first of all, first step, stop shutting yourself and let it be what it is. Stop quote unquote shutting yourself and let it be what it is. All right. What this means is. Stop telling yourself how grateful you should be, how together you should have it by now, how your kids and their needs should come before yours, how your partner's needs should come before yours, especially because he's doing this, this, and this. That being a mom should be enough. The way that you're feeling is what you're feeling, okay? It's not up for negotiation. It's a fact. You are feeling like this. So if you are feeling like this, then whatever's going on, it's not enough. It's, and that's not to say that, you know, your family's not enough. I'm not saying that. What I mean is something's off for you. That can be something as small as just having a friend to talk to. But whatever it is, like there's something that's missing. There's a leak. As my own friend told me recently, like, hey, <laughs> there's a hole in the bottom of this cup. We're pouring, we're pouring, pouring. It's seeping through the bottom. What's up? I had, my friend had a really real conversation with me recently. I really need it. <laughs> when I was in my own state, dark place. So I get it. The thing is, we're not going to get out of it by denying it. 
before we can start dealing with the problem, we have to be able to call it by its name. Mama, meet stay-at-home mom depression. (laughs) Shake hands. There you go. This is an actual thing that millions of smart, capable women struggle with every single day. So all that not wanting to be selfish and ungrateful, that's actually self-shaming, self-deprecating. It is making you more depressed. So one thing we want to stop doing is like denying our experience. The truth is, this is an experience a lot of people in your life won't be able to readily resonate with or understand. That does not negate it for you. It sucks not having people, especially your people, understand where you're coming from. But there are people out there that will. All right? So it doesn't make you or how you feel any less valid. It doesn't help you heal. Number two, as tempting as it might be, stay away from the victim candy. The victim candy, quote unquote, is an activity, any activity that we start to take part in, right? To try to make ourselves feel better. But really, they might make us feel better in the moment, but they are toxic and they only make us feel shitty the longer that we engage in them. Even sick, okay? Because we become overly indulgent in these things, trying to escape, trying to fill voids. This can be anything from, anything that has to do with a toxic way of escaping. So that's social media, you know, Instagram, TikTok, you know, Snap, Facebook, especially those really toxic ones. Like, you know, I feel like Facebook and Instagram can be really toxic. So it's overindulging in in that way to try to escape. Or it could be watching too much TV, um, over-researching. This is a big one. Over-researching the issues so that you can validate your experience and make yourself feel like you're not crazy. The issue with that one is that pretty soon all you have is (laughs) resentment, a bunch of information that you have no idea what to do with, and no positive shifts. Like, okay, aha, I knew I was right. I knew I wasn't crazy for feeling this way. All right, and now what? We stew in that. If anything, it just takes you backwards. Another form of victim candy I see a lot are tarot readings. Now, I love tarot. Don't get me wrong. But it can be toxic when you are overindulging in it. Because you're trying to escape your current situation. Anything that's pulling you from the moment and having you do things that's going to feed your neurosis, right? The the crazy (laughs) in your mind. The commotion, the drama. That's not helpful. So if you're watching a bunch of readings and you're finding like you you come out depleted or... You're looking up and it's been like hours have gone by and you were supposed to be doing something else and now you've just been doing this. Or it gets you thinking about old situations that 
have passed, you know, like old relationships, and then you want to go wonder how that person is doing, like maybe this reading's about that person. You go and wonder how they're doing, and you go and checking in on them, and then you see that they look like they're living their best life. It makes you feel only more miserable because you could have sworn that reading was about them. There's so many ways this can play out. You got to cut off anything that's going to fuel your crazy. That's going to invite more drama into your psyche. That's really, really important. So the toxic relationship, for example, that you might take up because you just want a distraction. Well, you know, it becomes toxic because it's the wrong type of distraction. Distractions are not always bad. But when this person, you know, when you're at your lowest, is already is coming in and then making you feel even lower. Bad. That's victim candy. These are all forms of it. All right. Stay away. Number three, talk to your partner if you have one. But before you do, remember who you are to them and know what it is you're bringing to the table, okay, because you are bringing a lot. Stop downing yourself and downplaying yourself. Others do that enough. You know what the hell you bring to the table, okay? Next, know what it is that you need from them specifically. What are you, what's your point in going into this conversation? I think that's where a lot of us ladies can go wrong when it comes to talking to our, especially our masculine partners, <laughs> because they're very more, like, they're much more straightforward and solution-based. Sometimes we are not even looking for a solution. Sometimes we just want to go and vent to someone and, and just express our annoyance or exhaustion or whatever and just have somebody listen. And if this is the case, then you should just start out with that before you go into your, you know, the rant or whatever it is. But if this is not the case and you actually are ready to make some changes, have an idea of what those are and how you can start making them so that he feels like the conversation, that he can be useful in the conversation for one. He can feel more open to it. He feels like it's not just a never-ending problem. Like, you know, like, oh, we're, we're just here to talk about our problems. Okay, like, this is where, like, the nagging, the complaining, the bitching comments come in. <laughs> it's not that. We're not here to just, like, talk about how life sucks and nothing you're doing is enough. And no matter what, I can never be satisfied. No. We're coming to the table having already thought this through so that we can actually make changes. Don't expect to just lay your woes on them, especially again for the men, and expect him to just know what to do to help you or just know what to tell you. Some guys do have that magical touch, especially if you've been with them for a long time. They kind of know how to bring you down, that type of thing. And others are just not good with that, no matter how long you've been together. They're not good with, that's not their love language, right? <laughs> that's okay. As long as it's okay with you. It's important, though, to remember your position in the home. And do some introspection to figure out what you actually need beforehand. Even if it's just to hire someone to help you figure out what it is you need. Before you have this in-depth conversation with your spouse. 
as the woman of the house, as long as you are not with an abusive person, you have a good amount of power, whether you realize it or not. The reason a lot of men get flustered and frustrated when their wives or their female partners are coming to express themselves and then they automatically just switch it over to nagging and just start, you know, what's the word? Um, not excusing it. It's like rubbing it off. I can't think of the word right now. But like rubbing it off as like complaining, nagging, just like trying to like, I keep doing this with my hand. <laughs> I know you can't see me. Um, dismissing it. Thank you. There you go. Dismissing how you feel. Well, at the heart of that is usually some insecurity. Because they think they're doing good. A lot of men think that they're doing what they were taught to do, the honorable thing. Like, a lot of things that actually their, their male counterparts, like, you know, their friends, people they work with, are not doing. This is looked at as being an honor, a badge of honor. To be able to shield your partner from like the harsh realities of the world and, and what it means to work. They look at this as something to be proud of. Sometimes it's coming from an egotistical standpoint. Yes, granted. Sometimes it's just like, oh, my, my wife or my woman or whatever. She don't got to work. She's at home taking care of the kids and doing this and third, whatever. But for many and we might not give them enough credit for this. It's a genuine badge of honor. Like they really do take pride in being your Superman. So if you have a good one, girl, you're a significant piece of his puzzle. You're a part of his mission. You are a part of his purpose. You are the person that greases the wheels of his life. That's what moms and spouses do. So if you're not happy, then what the heck? is what are we doing this for (laughs) is how a lot of men will think if you come to them especially in the wrong way how is this even going to continue running smoothly what am i even doing all this for is all my work in vain all my effort just being unnoticed because now you're complaining about this we're not trying to go there that's the opposite way we're trying (laughs) of where we're trying to go with this conversation that's why i'm speaking to you about this about his point of view because from his perspective he's doing what it takes to make life easier for the people that he loves the most but masculine energy also you know sometimes it has a hard time seeing beyond itself right and so while the masculine tends to be very much duty oriented and single focused mission driven this is the mission. I'm going to put my head down, get to it. No ifs, ands, or buts is what it is. The feminine does not quite operate that way. We have to think about a lot of, we think about naturally and then often have to, excuse me, think about a lot of things at once. We are multi-focused creatures. And we're also burdened by the sense of just, just doing things because it's our duty. Having responsibility, run our lives day in and day out. Oh my God, that's probably the the quickest way to burn out feminine energy. And that's one of the reasons you're depressed. So if it doesn't feel light or easy on your end, you need to kind of identify why. What's at the root of that? 
and then say something, but also come with a potential solution. You can't go in expecting him to save you. As much empathy as he might have or express, he likely still doesn't quite understand where you're coming from. <laughs> Unless you really do have, like, you know, one of those sensitive creatures like mine is a cancer, so typically he can feel his way through things. But not everyone can. So don't go and expect him to just like rescue you even further because again, he's already thinking that he's doing a lot of rescuing. You got to go in as your own advocate or have someone else help you to be your own advocate and begin using your influence. Now talk to him nice, okay? <laughs> no matter what. Number four, for heaven's sake, please use your resources. Use your resources. I've had a fair amount of clients without much support, okay? Without friends, family nearby, they have limited resources. But then I have others who have like everything they need, everything they could ask for. They have a huge family that lives like down the street. They have a whole bunch of female friends that are always asking to come and babysit. First of all, there's nothing wrong with asking for help or using your resources. That's what they're there for. And yes, this might involve having to release a little bit of control. Of course, you want to make sure that your kids are going to be safe, away from harm. And so you want to deal with people that you can trust, that you feel like you can trust. Especially people that helped raise you in some way. Those are the best ones, right? It's going to involve relinquishing a little control. But with relinquishing of that control, you give yourself more control in another area of your life, okay? You can't grab onto something else while you're gripping this one so hard. Like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm, I, I got this. <laughs> My kids are all I got. Or whatever this mindset is that you have that's keeping you restricted. You're holding tightly to something, okay? You cannot do that and grab onto something else. So we need you to understand that it's not weak to ask for help, to accept the help of others when it's offered. It does not make you a bad mother, wife, sister, friend. It makes you human. And it makes you a smarter, healthier, happier human. And number five, stop looking for things to take you away and be present. Find the purpose in the present. Look for the gifts in the now. I know this is gonna sound super like new agey. That's not my point. Just stay with me, okay? <laughs> I don't mean that in this like super cliche way. Like just be present and embrace the moment. No, I mean like literally while you're in the moment, in this moment, I believe that our purpose follows us. You know, we are where we're meant to be, honestly and truly. Now, that's not an excuse to just like opt out of life and be completely passive and not make the decisions and choices you know you need to make to better yourself and better your life. But while you are here in this moment where your situation is what it is or to some degree, 
you have to look around, literally get out of your head and get out of yourself and thinking about what it is that you don't have and what you wish you had. Look around and find the gems that are surrounding you. Yes, your kids are gems. Great. That's not what I'm even talking about right now. Okay. They are blessings. Yes. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's be real. Okay. The truth is, you are where you are. Sometimes it sucks. But you're still in the power seat of your life. Because this is still your life. This is still your show. Your movie. All these other people are playing supporting roles. I need you to really, really grip and hold on to this, this freaking truth bomb. <laughs> really. Hold on to it like it's a grenade and let it freaking blow up your idea of like your life right now. Because that's what we need to do. We need to get you out of this mode of looking at yourself as a victim of your circumstances. You are still in the power seat. You can't look on the outside for your answers and continue to, like, you know, pass off the responsibility for you and your life and then feel to begin to feel or expect to feel confident and empowered in your life. That doesn't, mm -mm, they don't work the same way. Ask how many kids feel empowered in their lives. Like, I'm sure they, they don't. I mean, because their lives are not about what they want. Most times, most times they are being driven, pushed by the adults, right? So in this way, by continuing to give your responsibility, your sense of personal responsibility to others, you're doing the same thing and boxing yourself in. Be where you are. Wherever you are, you are in control of this moment to a large degree, not 100%, but you do have more power than you're realizing over how you're choosing to see this moment, how you're choosing to experience it, and what you're choosing to do with it, what you're choosing to get from it. This moment is fleeting. Lucky for you, time is constantly moving forward, whether you are using it wisely or not. This moment will not be here forever. I'm a firm believer in we can have it all, just not necessarily always at the same time. Your life is not over. Fast forward five years from now, how old will your kids be? This is just a chapter, okay? It's time to look around and search for the very real gems that surround you and rest in this current stage of your life. Your purpose is exactly where you are. What opportunities might there be for you? What inspirations are you neglecting? Probably because you're indulging in victim candy and always distracting yourself. What is there in front of you now? What relationships are you not taking advantage of? What resources have you not been using or even looking at as resources? Because you've been just cutting yourself off from it, telling yourself like, eh, no, as soon as something comes up, you negate it. Eh, no, that's not a possibility. Why? Why are you doing that? Are you doing that maybe subconsciously to keep yourself stuck because of a fear of success? 
how might you still be holding on too tightly to an old way of seeing yourself, an old identity, an old way of thinking that it's time to shed so that you can experience less resistance in your current life and embrace where you are and what is possible for you here, even if in small doses. And some days will be better than other days. Some days you will have very little time to yourself to focus on what you see as your purpose. Other days you're going to have more. How can you be more accepting of that roller coaster? <laughs> I'm on the roller coaster. I might as well enjoy the shit, <laughs> okay, as much as I possibly can. Ride this wave until it's time for me to get off. That needs to be the mindset. Today, I have four things that I would like to get done, you know, on my to-do list. If I get all four of these things done, I am going to be so freaking happy and allow that to be enough. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I deserve this glass of wine. I deserve this dinner out with my girl. If I didn't get it, if I got two things done, oh my God, that, that's amazing. I got some shit done today. Right? What's really pissing you off right now to the point where you're like, this is so freaking unfair or this is not right or whatever. I don't care what it is. It could be freaking a new way of knitting. It can be <laughs> you, the way you actually feel. What is it that's really making you feel passionately right now for better or worse? And how might you start to pour into that, really lean into that feeling instead of fighting it? Where that might where might that feeling be trying to take you? How might this fight and this exhaustion be trying to benefit the next stage of your life? How can you be just a little more of the woman you want to be right now? And with that, this is part one. <laughs> so we're at number six now. And number six is, speaking of the woman you want to be, because we just mentioned that in number five, find an identity and a life outside of being a partner and or mama bear. Please <laughs> find an identity, a sense of self outside of the roles that you play for other people period so even if that's just like you could be a teacher um or you know literally a caterer like whatever it is like i want you to stop drowning yourself and your sorrows and other people so it's hard for women to do this right like i'm speaking to myself when I say this, because it's a challenge. Um, of course, you see what I do. I'm a coach. I'm a therapist. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. A friend. A daughter. A granddaughter. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to all this, right? All these roles carry a new set of responsibilities and expectations. And especially if you work if your work deals in helping other people, even if you do have work, right, then that's a whole nother set of responsibilities. And before you know it, you are completely burdened 
and like holding yourself to this super high standard and um, just expecting a lot from you without pouring a lot back in, without taking a break, taking some time just to be with yourself. So the first step of even doing this is going to be finding that time to be with yourself. I know that's going to be hard for some people. Some people, it's just, it's not even a, a time thing. They just have a hard time making time for themselves. So it's not even a matter of, oh, I don't have any time for myself because I have so many kids I'm taking care of and I'm just always doing something for somebody else. First of all, I would challenge that because sometimes that's the case. I'm not going to invalidate that. And other times... It's more like the time that you do have for yourself, you're spending it on victim candy, which we talked about in part one, if you don't know what that is, so go back and check it out. Or you are just like, you could be exhausted. (laughs) Um, You could be using it otherwise. My point is like, When we get into this space, it becomes kind of hard to keep track of our time and know what exactly we're doing with our time and where it's all going. It's like every day, the the days run into each other, right? The hours run into each other. And like, before you know it, the end of the day is here. And it's like, what did I do today? So sometimes it can really be helpful to keep a log of your time, like the things that you do during the day. For example, for me, I have a list and I had this list ever since I was at home, like before my business even like got off the ground um, because it would kind of help keep me sane. Because <laughs> I, w- I have a list, right, of things that are priorities that I really need to get done. Um, and then they are going to be separated. Now, now they are blended together. But you might have a separate one for work-related things if you do have some type of business on your own or family-related things, whatever. For me, I blended mine so they can just be based on priority level, period. So that means I need to do something like I, that I don't feel like doing, like making a call, you know, about a bill or a charge on my card that I don't recognize or, you know, renewing my car registration or whatever. These things will be blended in with my daily work or my daily responsibilities for my family. It's about what's going to be priority. If I can go to the store later, then that's going to be at the end of the list. And if something comes up and distracts me from something that I was already doing, I'm going to add that to the list if it was a priority and it needed to be handled. So, for example, I mentioned helping my husband run his business. That's not always the funnest thing for me because I'm not someone that is easily, um, easily bounces back from distractions. I do not like being interrupted. Some people are much more like flowy and like, oh, it's fine. You know, I can flow in and out of um, in and out of like being in the zone. No, that's not me. I hate being interrupted, Um, but sometimes it's not avoidable. So for things that will come up, whether it's about him, the business, or something else, you know, might have a phone call that you have to take. I will insert that onto this list. And as I'm moving through the list, I'm going to put a big done beside it so that I can see that I actually did that. By the end of the day, when I'm going to bed and I'm looking over my day and I'm getting ready for the, the tomorrow, I see where my time went you might even go a step further to note how long something took or how long it should have taken or both how long you think something will take versus how long it actually took 
what that's going to do, first of all, is like give you a reality check. Like, okay, maybe you are taking too long on things or you're not giving yourself enough grace and compassion, which is the, probably the more likely option. And you're thinking that something should be done within a really short period of time, which actually takes you like two hours to do. Okay. You're going to start seeing some of the very real ways that you put extra pressure on yourself that's unnecessary and where you can start relieving some of that resistance that you feel internally. Having those big letters done beside all these tasks that you did is going to feel good. You're going to see, I made progress today. And I'm getting somewhere. I'm not where I was yesterday. Right? We're actually talking about here in this number six, I'm going to tie these back together, (laughs) about creating an identity and a life outside of being a partner or a mother, which means how do you feed you every day? Are you inserting yourself into that to-do list? What are you doing that's just for you, even if that's taking lunch outside the house, taking a bath, um reading, just laying out, taking a nap, whatever. And how might you be continuing to identify with an old version of yourself that's no longer like needed or, or valid? What it, what that does is create this constant inner conflict because you're telling yourself that things should be one way, that you are one way, but then your daily actions are showing another. Or vice versa. And it's making you fight yourself. So what you can do to remedy that and to help create your identity, your sense of self, is to begin backing that those thoughts of the person that you want to be, right? Or the person that you once were with current action. So I used to be this happy person, okay? Why can't you be that right now? Get up and dance around the house. (laughs) Put on your favorite music. Get up and look cute for nothing. Or don't. Be goofy. Enjoy life. Stop holding back your laughter. Stop holding back your smiles. When you're out at the store or wherever you have to go, smile at people, say hello, make conversation. Be a joyful, happy person that you claim to be. What you're going to do is begin to discover that your energy lightens. People are more drawn to you. You like yourself more. And you might also start to do some of those things that you've been putting off, telling yourself that you don't have the time or whatever. You might begin to see how you can make time and go back to kickboxing or something else that you completely abandoned with this new lifestyle. Yeah, I'm a mom and I'm also a freaking black belt. (laughs) I'm also a badass, right? I'm also someone that cares about her body. I'm also someone that loves herself so that, therefore, I do this and the third. Yes, I'm a good wife and I'm also 
um, someone who voices her, her needs, her wants, her desires, her opinions freely. Therefore, I get them met easier. Who is that person that you want to be? How can you start aligning your actions little by little with that identity? Number seven, join a mom circle, a mom group. If you don't already have one, if you don't already have mom friends, girl, that is probably half the problem. You need (laughs) some friends who can relate to you. And you need to stay connected to them or reconnect with them. Maybe if you lost touch. Find a new tribe or reach back out to your old one. You need people with whom you can interact and have similar stories, relatable stories. You need to be seen and understood. You need to be gotten, okay? So that's an easy enough one. I mean, you know, it's better if you can do it in person. But there are groups on Facebook I struggle to even say that uh, because I really just I can't stand for Facebook but there are people that love Facebook and they swear by these groups that they have been their saving grace there are places that do this in person like meetup go check out Groupon and get into a new activity this is how I got into kickboxing most recently was by going on Groupon and I met a female friend who was also a mom and wife there and we became partners and we kind of like supported each other. We're getting back into this as the newbies. This stuff happens more fluidly if you stop expecting things just to come to you and go take advantage of your resources. Get someone to watch the kids during like that hour long time, you know, whatever. Especially if you're always giving, you are in a much better position than you realize to have some demands, have some requests, have some needs that actually get met, okay? You have the leverage. Use it. Number eight, train your kids to be contributing housemates as soon as humanly possible. (sighs) Stop helicopter parenting. It will take time, but the effort and the energy is worth it. As hard as it might be sometimes, it's important that we remember we are nurturing little humans that are going to turn into big humans. And they're going to need to learn how to operate in the real world as adults. These are people who are going to need to know the importance of Not only being able to care for themselves and care about themselves, but help others and contribute to our society, right? I said something about brainwashing earlier, (laughs) as in being brainwashed and manipulated in an abusive relationship, and especially one where there is coercive control. However, we are all being brainwashed every day. The brainwashing starts as soon as we are out of the womb, (laughs) Because it's not like we're, you know, out here living in the woods. We have to live in society, which means we have to learn how to play by societal rules, which means we have to learn how to operate as functioning human beings that have an ounce of common sense. 
Okay, so we are being brainwashed from the jump to be able to fit into uh, a mold, a box, to be able to survive in in our society, in our culture. So same with your little ones. We aren't doing our kids any favors by overly shielding them, um, not allowing them to have any responsibility. Yes, kids should be kids. And at the same time, a part of being a kid is learning how to deal with responsibility because you don't, you're not a kid forever. This is a transitional energy. You're going to be moving into adulthood, which means you are going to need to learn how to be one. And also, this is going to give character to a person. It's going to give morals and values to a person. Our kids need to see that we're all connected. And we, unfortunately, have this thing about, you know, like everybody's like on an island of their own. And that's not true. We are all connected. And each of us has a contribution to make in society. And it starts with making it at home. We make contributions to society to keep it going. Well, we make contributions at home to keep it going. And your kids also want to feel purposeful and they need to feel purposeful. They need to feel important. They need to know that the things that they are doing or not doing is actually going to make an impact. And that impact could be positive or negative. But they aren't just out here just living for them and not affecting anyone else. They are a part of a greater community. And this gives meaning to our lives. This gives substance to who we are, to the roles that we play. So I don't want you to feel bad about giving your kids responsibility and expecting them to carry it through. I know this is not going to be this thing for everyone. Sometimes people are like, oh, I give my kids too, right, too much responsibility. But some moms do struggle to give their kids responsibility around the house, you know, doing chores. Even doing the things that they should be able to do, like dressing themselves, feeding themselves, maybe watching after their siblings while mom can go take a bath in peace, right? What you're doing is teaching your, your young ones that they are capable, they are more than capable. And like when they put something in motion, it makes a difference. It helps. They are contributors. Children need to know that they are a critical part of the team and what they do counts and what they bring to the table is noticed. No matter how small, they matter. So start <laughs> pumping that narrative now. And what that's going to do is encourage autonomy and independence and self-sufficiency on their end. And that's going to free up some of your energy, okay, and your time. Number nine, make some grown-up plans, mama. Please make some grown-up plans. Double points if it's the responsibility-free kind like, for example, a weekend getaway to reacquaint yourself with daddy. <laughs> really, or just with yourself, okay? I am all for having a couple of days alone just to disconnect and be alone. And, like, you leave the kids with daddy. But 
if you guys are needing some time too, which a lot of the times is the case, if mama is feeling that way, leave the kids with grandma or somebody else, okay? And take a break from responsibility. So this does not mean going out of town or even going somewhere in the city, right? You can go to get a hotel room in the city, whatever, wherever floats your boat. This is not time that's meant to be for like talking about bills and credits and investments and whatnots. No. This is a time to be reacquainted with your person. Seriously. We are always changing and evolving. When's the last time you like did a check-in? Like, who is this person that I'm with today? Like, who are you really? We can take our partnerships for granted like so easily. We get so lazy. And we forget, like, just as you're changing, because I'm sure you didn't always feel this way, that other person is changing too. And they might be going through their own thing that you have no idea about because you're stuck in your own thing. So this time is necessary. This is not about blaming each other or talking about things that you already talk about all the time at home. No. Overall, it should be fun. It should be deep, right? It should be a a time of reconnecting in an intimate way. It's not only about sex, but I know that's a part of it. But it really is about getting the update on your person. And if this is an alone thing, it's about getting an update on yourself. And then just like vegging out. Doing things that you can't do at home. All right, that is what we do our retreat for, by the way. Whenever I have a client, um, whether it's one-on-one or in a group setting, they all are invited on a retreat with me. We spend some of the time together. They spend a bunch of time alone. And it's for introspection. It's that time for you to pour into yourself, to hear the thoughts that you haven't been allowing to come through to actually acknowledge them and to decide what you want to do about them. To not have to be answering to people. That's the point of the retreat. So we'll talk more about that in a second when we close up here. But number 10 is to do something special for you every day. Just one thing. I know this is a common piece of advice. But when I say doing something special... This can look so many ways. Half an hour reading, lunch out of the house, a walk in the park, going to therapy, um, negotiating an hour of guaranteed non-interrupted time for yourself. Washing your hair. These things make a difference because they add up over time. That's why I said every day, at least every other day, like do it consistently enough where it becomes a routine and a ritual to take care of yourself, to pour just into yourself. To have selfish time. And a special note for my empath or empathic mamas, right? The ones that are highly sensitive to the energy of other people. You need to be clearing your energy consistently. All the time. This will help so much, I promise. Clear your energy. So if you have like a job that 
requires you to be constantly engaging with other people. Or, you know, if you're just always engaging with other people in your own family. Take the time, you know, get some essential oils. Salt. I've recently started to bathe every day with Epsom salt. And what I'll do is just like pour some in my hand and I'll pour like my body wash over it and mix it like kind of together. As if it's like a, um, you know, what's that thing called? Exfoliating. It, it is it is exfoliating. But my purpose is to clear the energy. And it actually helps. Get ones that, um, like I use eucalyptus. I use pink Himalayan salt. I use ones that have um, lavender and chamomile. Things that are going to be relaxing and easing for the mind and the body okay these things help um incense candles doing what you can to keep your environment if you're going to be at home it needs to be the best possible so meaning like doing what you can to shift the vibration and the energy within your house these things make a huge difference I have a room in my house that's just strictly for relaxing. I know everyone is not going to be able to afford to do that, but like not afford, but like, you know, you might have every room in your house being used up. I had an extra room that, and we don't have guests a lot. So it was like, it was just nothing down here. There is a bed here. But other than that, like we have candles. We, I burn incense here. I do my meditation here every day. My meditation pillows are down here. I record here, here now. Um, It's a, an intentionally clutter-free zone. So this is the one room in the house that I am intentional about like keeping as clutter-free as possible. If you're able to do that, even with a corner in your house, it'll be so helpful. And there you have it. This one was about, yeah, way shorter than the last one. Um, but notice... Like I mentioned in part one, that a lot of these are going to involve communication. Communications at the heart, as well as some introspection. But you got to let go of that shame so that you can speak up and initiate the changes that you need to see so that you can feel better. Okay, that's going to be key to empowering your way out of any rut. And I'm going to give the same spill that I did at the end of the last one. So if you already heard of me talk about the group for June, this is it. I'll see you later. If not, and you are feeling emotionally exhausted, overwhelmed, and seriously tired of being a hostage in your own life, in your own body, listen really quickly. Next month, I'll be working closely with a small group of women to develop a feminine emotional wellness app. It's going to be about emotional empowerment, building up your resistance, uh, those nerves are still that you want so that you can overcome the anxiety, the fear that comes with branching out of your comfort zone, um, doing things that make you feel uncomfortable in your relationships. These are going to be the things that we're going to work through in this app. But next month, June of 2022, I'll be working specifically with a handful of people, like five women, to do this, build this on the ground floor, okay? To do this, we'll be walking 
step-by-step through the same emotional resilience formula that I've used to help me keep going to power through and level up out of my most difficult life circumstances. Some of which include getting pregnant right out of high school (laughs) on my way into college and being the only pregnant girl, right? Uh, At the height of my anxiety, by the way, helping to rehabilitate my husband who, well, he wasn't my husband at the time. He was my, my fiance. Um who had a life-threatening illness as soon as I literally asked for a break. (laughs) Um, But this illness almost killed him. And it really, really, it it changed us a lot. Mostly for the better. Um, Ten times we moved within like ten years. Shoot, because we just were not stable people. We cannot keep a roof over our heads. And for this reason, I was in a deep depression, feeling like a failure of a mother, right? I could not keep stability for my daughter. That was a really challenging time. Digging myself out of a deep depression um, and getting getting back on my feet in the midst of, so not afterwards, but in the middle of going through a four-month-long miscarriage, which was really hard on me on every level. Physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like on every possible level, feeling betrayed by my body. I'm sure that a lot of women will be able to relate to this. Um, and I was also broke and living with my mom-in-law, <laughs> just not happy, not having really any uh, real career trajectory. It just was a lot of stuff. <sighs> Lawsuits and legal battles. Going two years without talking to my mother. These are just a few things that I have gone through that have as I've gone through them I've learned a lot about who I am and what it takes to keep moving forward and also do so with a modicum of like of happiness and joy and not just like sludging through it and completely overwhelmed and exhausted and just pissed and bitter so that's what we are going to be dealing with in this program is really growing a stronger emotional core that allows you to not only get through your darkest days but really power through to get through your brighter to get to your brighter days to honor your spiritual path to fulfill your purpose to do the hard things to see yourself as the authority of your life this is something that you need a strong emotional core for you need to know how to channel your emotions in a way that empowers you and builds a healthy, strong nervous system. So if you know that you need this in your life yesterday, (laughs) I want you to go to my website, thegoddessnurturer.com and book a free intro call. It's going to be about 20 to 30 minutes. We're just going to talk. Going to get some basic information from you just to see if it's going to be a good fit for both of us. And then we will move forward from there, okay? Again, there's only a handful of spots available in this cohort. And for this, for your participation in this specific group, you're going to get a deep discount on the program and the retreat, the beach retreat that I spoke to you about earlier. You are going to get a, what is it? A 12 month, so a year long pass for the app. So you don't pay for that period of time. You're going to definitely get a shout out. You're going to get public credit for your role that you played here in the development. And um, of course, you're going to get the chance to like be a part of something great that might be able to help a lot of women moving forward. And that is really what's at the heart of what I do and what we're doing. So if that interests you, 
go ahead and reach out, book the call. And yes, I'm going to stop rambling. (laughs) I look forward to hearing from you. This is going to be an amazing, amazing time. So I can't wait to see who all joins us. And other than that, lady, that's about it. I hope you got something from this podcast or these last two episodes. If you did, please do go ahead and follow, rate the podcast, follow me on whatever platform you're on. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at the Goddess Nurture, and that's about it. I love you. Till next time, be good to you. Take care of you. And I'll see you soon. Bye.